For our second message today, we have a sermon by Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, Knowing Spiritual Truths, based on 2 Corinthians uh, 2.12-23, or 2.12-13, I'm sorry. Steve? Regis' rendition is much better, by far. When um, God begins to call us, I know there's this magnet that seems to draw us, and that's God's Word. We're just drawn to His, to His Word, to look and to be in deep um, understanding, trying to come to a deeper understanding of that Word as that calling in our life. <clears throat> We become privy, don't we, to many truths. <laughs> One of the truths is, wow, the Sabbath really does mean the seventh day. Even though the rest seem like the rest of the world believes it's on the first day of the week. And it was interesting, I noticed that uh, one of the uh, churches that I drive by on occasion had um, uh, sun worship, 1045. I got to wondering. Sun worship? Are they really worshiping sun <laughs> at 1045? <clears throat> uh, I'm sure that meant Sunday. But <clears throat> we become privy to certain truths, and those, uh, those are spiritual truths. And come, and come to knowing these spiritual truths is, is very important. And so I've, I've picked some things out of uh, the epistles today to bring those spiritual truths to you. And the first one is 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and beginning in verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. See? Right there. Paul is helping us to understand. These things are available. They're freely given. And... The world does not understand them. Which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I was, um, as I was uh, thinking about this, really meditating on what was, was in the epistles. Now the Jews preserved the Old Testament as we understand it. The um, many down through the ages have preserved the Gospels. And there, at one time, there was some argument as to what epistles should go into the Bible. What, what's right? What's good? Uh, you know, there's a lot of epistles out there, a lot of different ones that didn't make it, that didn't get put into the Bible. But I know that the Spirit of God was working to put these particular ones that we have, these epistles, these writings, they become a part of us, don't they? We, we can claim these writings. The authors are dead. Paul's dead, waiting for the resurrection. Peter's dead. John's dead. All of, all of those writers are dead. The, the ones that read, the, the Corinthians, right here, the Corinthians, that Paul wrote to, none of them are alive today. So who are these writings for? 
Who do these writings benefit? They benefit you and I. We can claim them. We can claim them on a personal basis because they really reveal truths that we need to understand. In Romans, the 8th chapter, and I love <clears throat> Romans, the 8th chapter, I read the whole thing and go through it, and I'm just going to pick parts of it because I have many different scriptures here today that I'd like to go through to bring out this point about knowing the spiritual truths that essentially are revealed also in these epistles. And some of it is revealed that we wouldn't be able to find anywhere else. And we'll go back to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, because that's a tremendous truth that is revealed only right there. Let's go and look at Romans, the eighth chapter, in just one verse here, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So, a lot of the things that we find in the epistles are about our calling, about the calling out of this world, about becoming you know, his, his, his children, his sons, and living that way. We're called according to his purpose. And then Romans 8, again, going back to verse 19, for the earnest expectation, <clears throat> excuse me, expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation, the creature, was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage, the corruption of this, into glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, and it's interesting, for we know. How do we know? Because the spirit that dwells within us is teaching us these things. We wouldn't know these things unless the spirit was actually revealing this. We would think this is nonsense. How do you come to understand that, that these things are going to happen? What is this that it's talking about? The, for the, the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. This is revealed to us who are being called, that gives us hope and, and, and encouragement and strength to make it through this life. Because God has a purpose, has a reason for each and every one of us. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan inside ourselves, waiting for the adoption. That is the redemption of our body. You see, we can now individually accept this and take this in as part of us. These epistles speak to us individually. You and I both have an opportunity to be in the kingdom, to be a part of that great and glorious plan that God has, which is worked out in his holy days. And I appreciate what Reg brought out, and we're looking forward to the Day of Atonement and to the Feast of Tabernacles, and all that that pictures and all that that brings out. And all of those things are revealed in God's Word. 
In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, I'll make sure I get to 2 Corinthians this time. <laughs> Beginning in verse 1. And where I was finding this is I was looking into, um, I have this little, uh, it's kind of like a uh, Cruden's Concordance, and it was kind of separated these. Um, and it, one of the separations was we know. We know. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. That's revealed truth, brethren. That is revealed. We're, we're, we have knowledge of, of that positive thing that if this body dies and we're resurrected, we have something great and glorious in the kingdom of God. It is a revealed truth. We know because it's being revealed in God's word. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. We know that we're temporal beings. We have a very short lifespan in comparison even to the short, uh, you know, lifespan of the nation that we live in. It's 200 and some years. We haven't, we, we haven't lived during that period of time or, or when the first colonists come into this, this land back, way back there. We haven't lived that long. We, we live a very short period of time and we have an opportunity to understand the truth of the word of God through his word and through the epistles that were inspired and we see if so be verse 3 that being clothed we shall be not found naked for we that are in this tabernacle do groan in other words, we have a temporary body, a temporary building, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now, he that has wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of the Spirit. And it's because of that Spirit that we begin to understand and we grasp these these basic truths. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's our hope, isn't it? That's what we look forward to, to be God, with Jesus Christ, to see him. Wherefore we labor that whether we are present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. So we have a time in which we will be judged and we will be at the judgment seat and we will be uh, a part of that uh, thing, but it is an encouragement to know these things. For we know it's because God has revealed them to us. And he's made it through the confidence of the spirit that dwells within us. In 1 John, I 
you're not unfamiliar with any of these verses. But I want you to think about how they apply to each and every one of us personally. In depth, in the revealing of the understanding of God's word. He says in verse 1 of 1 John, the third chapter, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Now, this is a, a tremendously profound statement for, for those that are called in today, because we understand that there is a great purpose for this calling. To, we should be called the sons of God. It's a great and tremendous understanding that we have in knowing this spiritual truth. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. You know, that's, the, that's a tremendous, those are tremendous words. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Because one of these days we're going to be able to be with Christ and we're going to shine. We're going to be able to, to witness the beauty of the Father and the Son. Because we're, we're going to be spirit beings also. And we're going to have that, that beautiful body that, that will be given to us. We can uh, give off this, this, this shell, this tabernacle, this temporary, and we can take on that beautiful, beautiful body that, that he will be given us. In First John, the fourth chapter, just a little bit over, beginning in verse 6, we are of God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Uh, then God's spirit opens up understanding of the word. He opens up the understanding of his truth. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that, he loved, uh, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be an atoning sacrifice. That's what propitiation means for our sins. This is revelation in the epistles that were written down through the ages. Those generations that, have, that God has called down through the ages have used these epistles to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to spiritually guide and, and, and guide one another, and to help them to understand the great joy of, of the kingdom that's coming and the great rejoicing that we can have in being a part of the kingdom. We live by these words. In 1 John, the second chapter, and beginning in verse 3, and hereby we know that we know him. It's because the Bible is teaching us these things. Hereby 
and hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Interesting. Just two verses there. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. God has given us beautiful commandments to keep. And by revealing his Sabbath day and his holy days and all of those things, he's also guiding us and leading us into his kingdom. There's also a, another uh, word, <laughs> know you not. So we're going to look at know you not. Let's go back to Romans, the sixth chapter. Beginning in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I might read verse 21 of verse 5. That as sin has reigned to death, even so might grace reign through righteousness to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And then, <clears throat> then Paul uses this then to help us to understand this, this concept. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid, or let it not be so. <clears throat> How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How Know you not, and here it is, know you not, that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. By understanding this basic truth, we understand the, <laughs> our own physical and spiritual uh, makeup, what God is doing and how he's working in our life, how he is making um, us into his children. And he's bringing us through and working with us, taking us through the trials and tribulations of the different things that come up in our life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that hereafter we should not serve sin. That's what baptism is all about. That death of the old man and the coming back up of the new man. And that we should not be serving the same things that we served when we were in that, that old body, in that old uh, state that we had. He says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. These epistles encourage us that there is a time of life in which we have to go through our physical bodies, but we will die, we will go into the grave, or we will be changed. We know that that will happen someday with some. They will be there when Christ returns and they'll be changed in a twinkling of an eye, but we understand that those of us that go into the grave <clears throat> have that hope, that we will be there with Christ. We will be in the kingdom. We will have that beautiful and glorious body. Knowing, knowing, see, these words, 
This is perception. This is, this is in, in, uh, intelligence. This is the Spirit talking to us, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once. But in that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, how far do I want to go here? Well, I think I went further than I wanted to, but I, <clears throat> that was uh, good scriptures there, all, all a part of it. And uh, Romans 6, verse 16. Know you not to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether to sin unto death or to obedience to righteousness. We have a world in which it's very easy to, to fall into to sinful things in this world. And the Bible says those sinful things can lead to death. We can turn our backs on God. We can turn our backs on this truth. We can forget about all of the spiritual things that are in this, this work, this word, and, and we will just go into the world, and we'll forget. And then we will come into the judgment, and what will God say? First, back to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. Remember now, these epistles are written to, to us, especially to those who are being called. And Paul and Peter and John and James sat down, and the Spirit was inspired. They were writing to those individual um, churches in these individual areas. Corinthians and Colossians and different places, Colossae. But realizing that the Spirit was working, those epistles then were preserved down through the ages for you and I. In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, beginning in verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay. I might go back up just a little bit here. Let me, let me read verse 10 real quickly here. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is the sure foundation, Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And it's interesting that he includes all of these things. He includes things that you know, gold and silver melt but at very high temperatures, but they, become, they don't change. They still become gold and silver. Uh, precious stones, you probably have to get very, very hot to you know, to blow a precious stone apart. But wood and hay and stubble, all of those will catch fire. And they will be extinguished. Will we come before God with precious stones such as gold and silver? Or precious stones? Or will we come before God with wood, hay, and stubble? Let us think on that. Let's meditate by, about that. Every man's work shall be made manifest. 
So we understand that. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And I think this very important that we understand that this, this in, in our building upon Jesus Christ, we should be building the foundations of gold and silver and the precious stones because there's a great reward in the kingdom of God. But it does say that even those others, that we, we will make it. He says, know you not that you are the temple of God. Now, how do we know that? Because God is revealing it to us. We know it because the Spirit dwells within us. We know it because there is a power that's dwelling within us that's telling us these are truths. This is the truth that's being given to us. This is spiritual truth. We are the temple of God, and that Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Let's see how far I wanted to go with this one. I think that was it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. As you can see, there's a lot in each one of these verses that you could go on and you could read and, and you could delve into. I wanted to focus on certain things, and that is what I'm, I'm putting forth today. 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? That's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> um, Paul's talking about judging between one another and judging the saints and going to, to, to you know, the law and things like that. It's interesting that he says, don't you know that you're going to be judging the world someday? I can't, I can't even, I, I have a hard time making judgments about when I get up in the morning. No less judging the world. And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Sometimes I think so. Here's another thing. We're being revealed that we're going to be judging angels. Know you not that you shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? <laughs> do, the, um, do the great righteous angels that, that surround God need judgment? I'm not sure about that one, but I know there's some fallen angels and there's some you know, other things that are out there that maybe they do need to be judged, and I'm not sure. But Paul says, we're going to be judging angels. And he says, how much more things that pertain to this life? Simple. It's, Paul says, those things are, are minor compared to what you're going to be judging someday. And you're going to have the responsibility to do that. You're going to have a tremendous responsibility to judge angels and the world and making those judgments in that day. Knowing that, Romans the 13th chapter. Here's another there was another one that I, I picked up. Actually, this was going to want, be the one that I was going to do, and then I saw all these other ones, and it was kind of interesting. Romans 13 and beginning, verse 10. 
Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfilling of the law. That's a tremendously profound statement, right out of God's word, right from Paul's own writing. And that knowing the time that now is at hand, at the time is now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in the day and not rioting, uh, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in the chambering and wantonness, not in the strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fill, fulfill the lust thereof. Knowing the time, knowing the times that we live in, knowing the situation that's going on in the world and the difficulty that the world is going to present, the difficulties the world is going to present to Christians. It is going to be difficult. I'm afraid that we may suffer persecution because of the things that are happening in the world, the things that are, are beginning to beset uh, uh, man and mankind and that will affect all of the Christians that really believe in God and really believe in this word and want to live by it. It's uh, getting difficult. If you have a, a Gideon's Bible out on somewhere, one of the atheists is going to complain. Uh, there was a, um, I don't remember, it was, uh, it was probably a hotel. They always have Gideon's Bibles, motel. And I guess it was in the lobby. It was just sitting there. It wasn't bothering anybody. It was just the Gideon's Bible sitting on the table. And here he comes, starts to complain. Oh, that Bible. Oh, that thing. You need to put that away. What did they do? Well, he put it in the drawer, but he still succumbed to this guy's request to hide God's truth, God's word, that no one would find out that there was a Bible in that place. The day is coming, brethren. Once again, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fill, fulfill the lust thereof. We're going to need the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ in the days to come. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Knowing that he, verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Knowing that. We know that because the word says that. And we're going to be raised. Raised up also by Jesus Christ. And we're going to be presented together. We're going to have a glorious reunion in the kingdom of God. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many, redound or abound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. 
And why is it renewed day by day? Because we understand the truth. Because we study God's truth. Because we believe God's truth. And we are knowing God's truth is real. And it's spiritual. And it grows and strengthens and guides and leads us. These are all a part of our spiritual growth. In Colossians, the third chapter. One of the benefits, besides the fact that we enjoy the, um, besides the fact that we do enjoy um, the feast and getting together and the feasting and the different things that we we gather, I I think one of the greatest benefits over the years that I have, have been very thankful for is is the messages, uh, the truth that is brought at all the feast sites, no matter where you go. They are preparing for that truth to be, to be brought to us. Um, I've been thinking a great deal about my message, and, and I know that all of the men that are going to be speaking in Branson are thinking about their messages and how important it is to bring that, not just the physical things that we enjoy at the feast, even though God tells us to enjoy the feast, to, to rejoice at the feast, to have have the finer things at the feast. But it should also be a feast of the Word of God. It should truly be a feast in which you are taking in the spiritual Word of God and feeding that spirit that dwells within us because it needs to be fed and it needs to be strengthened. It's the new man. Sometimes the old man wants to come out and dominate things, but it's the new man that's in us that wants to to, uh, to be strengthened, and that is a time for it to be strengthened. In the, in the two verses here in, in uh, Colossians, the third chapter, knowing that the Lord, you shall, uh, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus. But he that does wrong shall receive for the wrong which he does, and there is no respect of persons. Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Each of us have a reward and an inheritance. If we make it into the kingdom, which I think all of us want to do and all of us are determined that we're going to be there, and God willing we will be there. And part of that is to learn the word of God and to be filled with that word. And the feast is a part of that time that we can do that. In Second Peter, I don't want to. And there's Second Peter, the first chapter, and beginning in verse twenty. Knowing this first, <laughs> knowing this, man, he says you should know this: that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not of old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But we, we come to understand things in the Bible based on the understanding of the, of the, of the things that are going on in the world and on the things that the, the Bible is teaching us and on the inspiration that God is teaching, you know, giving us in, uh, through the Spirit. Um, and sometimes... Uh, we get overzealous. We've had those that have gotten overzealous and, and uh, 
oh boy, it's, just, it's almost here and everything. And yet I know that we can't let up. We can't give up. We can't say, okay, um, he, hasn't, he hasn't come and I'm just not going to follow God anymore. And we're going to see that here in a second because that's what Peter said. Second Peter, the third chapter, beginning in verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. It's going to happen, and it has been happening. And there are people that say, oh, forget the Bible, forget those things, don't go by that. <clears throat> There's atheism and different things are, are very much growing. Satanism is growing in the world, and they are becoming scoffers and haters of God's word, haters of Christians. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved for fire against the day of judgment and perdition and ungodly men. These are warnings to the whole world, brethren. These are things that are said in these epistles that are warnings that are inspired by God to warn the world because one of these days there's going to be a great judgment on the world and on men who are rejecting his, his truth. And someday the Satanists and those who reject God are going to have to stand before judgment. They're going to have to learn and they're going to have to stand before judgment also. And they're going to be, they're going to be judged. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And I remember one time I, I thought, well, I'll just calculate how long we have. And I, with God, I think it turned out to be like 12 minutes. <laughs> you know, if you really realize how temporal we are, you really need to calculate that one out and find out because it is not very long. And while we're here on this earth and we have an opportunity, we do need to take advantage of it, of getting as close to the relationship as we can with Jesus Christ and God the Father, making as much as we can with them because it's, our life is just a puff of smoke, just like the grass, it says. It grows up and then it's... When the summer heat hits it, it dies. And, that, and the flowers that come, and they're so beautiful, and they wilt, and they go away. We are that way. And even though we seem like we have a long time, we realize that even all of our forefathers that lived on, that made the Constitution, all that, they've been dead for a long time. So we need to understand those things. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that he has, you know, a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's goal, is that we could all come to repentance, that we could all change. And, and I think that's the reason why we have more time. <clears throat> and that's the reason why we've been able to publish and print and get the Bible out and be able to, to preach and, and, it, and in some ways, people are hearing and they're changing. But it's also, being, it's also being covered up a lot. 
But the day of the Lord will come, verse 10, as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great uh, with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth and all the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation? Or, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> it also means conduct and godliness. Looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of, the, of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein righteous, dwells righteousness. That's important to understand. One of these days, there is going to be a great kingdom that's going to come to this earth, and God is going to bring it, and it's going to be a righteous kingdom with his laws and his truth, and it's going to, to, to go all over the world, as we, as we heard in the first message in Isaiah, the second chapter, and that is a, a beautiful Beautiful chapter. Let's go back now for my, final, for my final scripture. I'd like to go back to Paul's original uh, message there in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. And I want you to meditate on this a little bit because this is a very profound and, and powerful chapter. And, and he, and he re actually reveals some some deep spiritual truths about the spirit that works within us. And it's so very important for us to understand this as the spirit begins to work within us. And allowing that spirit to work, allowing it to grow, help us to grow and overcome and be strengthened. However, verse 6, however, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that comes to nothing. I mean, <laughs> we see that. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world to our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They, they would have not crucified our Lord Jesus Christ. But as it's written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, Neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That's a, this is the important part that I want, to, want you to get, knowing spiritual truths. God is revealing those spiritual truths through his word. Through, through our relationship with God through our prayers, through our studying of his word, through taking it in, through allowing God to, to actually um, guide our minds in this, in this way. God has revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? That is, it, that is so basic, so, so profound. People don't understand that. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God that dwells within us, that's given to us at baptism, is the thing that reveals those truths, that helps us to understand about the Sabbath, helps us understand the Holy Days, really helps us to be guided in understanding His Word. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, and that's an important part uh, that we should understand. We're not 
getting the spirit of the world. We are getting spiritual things. But the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now we have apples and apples. Now we're, now we're on a spiritual plane. And as we look and we search and we, re, we think and we meditate on God's Word, we're seeing things that God wants us to see. We're being, they're being revealed to us through the Spirit that dwells within us. Which things I'll uh, uh, see. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Uh, we, we see people maligning and ridiculing the Word of God. And yet there's such great hope in this word. And they malign and they ridicule it. And one of these days there's going to be a lot, maybe a lot of persecution because we believe in the word of God. We believe these words. We believe in the kingdom of God. We believe in what God is teaching. But the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, a foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Brethren, this is such a profound thing. We have the mind of Christ, brethren, knowing these spiritual truths.